Greetings and blessings to one and all in the name of our Lord. That is an humbling thought as we think about that, standing in this place and ministering the Word of God. So we covet an interest in your prayers and uh, trust that God will feed us today again. Open your Bibles with me to chapter 8 of St. Mark. Continuing our study through the Gospel of Mark. I'll be taking my text from uh, verses 1 through 26 today. Mark chapter 8, verse 1 through 26. Now I'll begin reading in verse 1. In those days, the multitude became, being very great, and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto him, and saith unto them, I have compassion on the multitude, because they have now been with me three days, and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way, for divers of them came from far. And his disciples answered him, From whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? And he asked them, How many loaves have ye? And they said, Seven. And he commanded the people to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and gave thanks, and break and gave to his disciples to set before them. And they did set them before the people. And they had a few small fishes, and he blessed, and commanded to set them also before them. So they did eat, and were filled. And they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets. And they that had eaten were about four thousand, and he sent them away. And straightway he entered into a ship with his disciples, and came into the parts of Dalmanutha. And the Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and saith, Why doth this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, There shall no sign be given unto this generation. And he left them, and entering into the ship again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. And when Jesus knew it, he saith unto them, Why reason ye, because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not yet, neither understand? Have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes, see ye not? And having ears, hear ye not? And do you not remember? When I break the five loaves among five thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? They said unto him, Twelve. And when the seven among four thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said, Seven. And he said unto them, How is it that ye do not understand? And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of the town, 
And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he could, if he see, if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up and he, re, he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. <clears throat> we have here basically four sections of, of this scripture with the feeding of the 4,000 in verses 1 through 9. Verses 11 and 12, we have the Pharisees seeking a sign. At verses 14 through 21, we have the disciples reproved for the lack of understanding. At verses 22 through 26, we have the blind man healed. I'm not sure exactly how far we'll get with this, but um, Lord willing, we'll try to cover in a timely manner here. In those days, now remember Jesus um, is doing much traveling, going from this place to that place, not putting on so many miles, but, but he's very busy going from place to place, town to town, village to village, and uh, people to people and so forth. Many, there are few, I shouldn't say many, there are few that think that possibly this is the, the same account as we crossed before, but... I, I find that difficult to believe. I find, I, I find it easy to believe that, um, that these um, feeding of the 4,000 is different from that of feeding the 5,000, um, both uh, time and place and people is all different. And uh, account is a bit different. And uh, so I find it interesting that Jesus did it again here and he fed these people. He says here that they were here three days, and uh, possibly some of them had not prepared uh, food for that long a stay. Uh, but nonetheless, it would be interesting to hear what Jesus taught the people these three days. But I believe that Jesus was uh, giving them stories, uh, telling them, and, um, uh, well, I don't know that they have necessarily sat there three days, but they at least were with Jesus these three days. And Jesus says to his disciples, has a little conference with his disciples. Now, what can we do with this uh, need that we have? Jesus says, I have compassion on the people. And, and I'd like to just refer back to the previous uh, account where Jesus had uh, ministered to the need, fed the 5,000. And it says there that Jesus had told the disciples why don't you feed them? And, and I wonder if Jesus, if this again isn't a lesson for the disciples. You see, Jesus is mentoring the disciples. He's wanting the disciples to become children of his, to do his work, uh, to fulfill his call. And so he's spending this time uh, mentoring them. And I wonder if Jesus isn't calling them together. Now, what shall we do about this? This is a way that we show compassion to the people. Uh, what do we do if we send them away and they will faint by the way? Uh, that's not good. We want to feed them. And of course, I don't know how much time. I, there's, that's something that I thought about in this study that I've not done. And that is uh, looked at the time frame the timeline, nor have I 
necessarily looked at the map and followed Jesus' footsteps. Be very interesting to do that is to see uh, the time lapse that Jesus, uh, you know, from from the last time that he fed the 5,000 to the time that he feeds the 4,000 now. You know, how much time has elapsed? Where are the places? And um, I do know that it is different places, different people, and so forth. Uh, but, but, you know, where in proportion on the map and so forth. Following Jesus' footsteps, that would be interesting. Uh, but I've not, I've not done that, and I don't intend to do that today as well either. Uh, maybe that would create some interest for you. Uh, to see how how does where do Jesus' footsteps go and in the Gospel of Mark and what are the time frames? It seems that Jesus in his ministry was very very popular in the first and second years of his ministry, and later uh, I believe in the third year his his multitude wanes. And we don't have it here in this scripture today, but but I thought of it as I thought of the Pharisees and their relation with Jesus. Um, <clears throat> it tells us in the, in, the, in the gospel somewhere, it tells us that, that uh, after a certain incident happened that Jesus um, performed and uh, after that time it says that the multitudes followed him not and they left him. And, and so um, uh, there was a time in Jesus' ministry where many, many that followed after him left. <clears throat> and possibly... A good possibility that many of them were simply following Jesus for the loaves and fishes. Now there's something interesting in this passage that I, that I thought about that kind of stood out to me, and that is Jesus' emotions. Now we often don't think about Jesus or God as, having, as a person having emotions. Um, <clears throat> and I'm not sure that we rightly call them a person. But... but for us to understand. Uh, we don't think, I don't think about Jesus having emotions, but I see uh, a number of them coming forth uh, in this passage and even in the previous passage. Verse 2, we see Jesus says, I have compassion. That's an emotion. Jesus was moved with emotion. We, we've seen the word compassion before, where Jesus uh, was moved with compassion uh, towards the people because they were as sheep having no shepherd, he said. And, and so Jesus uh, was moved with compassion. He here has compassion on them. And he says, you know, if I send them away on empty stomachs, they will faint because they have not the strength to walk the many miles. Secondly, in verse 12, we see, and he sighed deeply in his spirit. Now, it'd be interesting what your comments, your thoughts would be about that. But I see that Jesus sighed deeply here, and then I remembered that Jesus sighed before. And so I, I went back, and it's, yes, it, it's in, it was in our last message in chapter 7 of verse 33, verse 34. And looking up to heaven, he sighed. <clears throat> now, while, while sighing itself isn't an emotion, it is a manifestation of an emotion. And um, I, I, I did look at whether these two sighings were 
coincident with each other, whether they were the same words. And really, it's not. It's, it, it has the same root, but, but the expression of it is, is quite a bit different, and I was surprised by it. Uh, the sighing in verse 34 of chapter 7, Jesus looked up to heaven, he sighed and saith unto him, uh, that is to be opened. And so um, that sighing indicates uh, in the original that uh, he sighed. It was a, a prayer, it was a lament, it was a groan, a moan, that type of, of sighing. And interestingly enough, in verse 12 of today's passage, when he sighed very deeply in his spirit, he sighed. <clears throat> That's what it means. He sighed. Uh, now, um, I don't know if your mother or your father um, had that kind of an expression, but I remember my mom sighing quite often. And uh, it's interesting that a sigh, what all a sigh says. A sigh is no words, but it says a lot. <clears throat> I, I find that interesting. Verses 17 through 21. We have Jesus here just a bit upset. Maybe that's not the proper word to use. Um, but he's disturbed at the least. And again, it would be interesting to note how long a period this is after Jesus called his twelve, his 12 disciples to follow him. Be interesting to note that. <clears throat> I, I mentioned before that that some tend to think that this is the same account, the feeding of the four thousand. But and some would even think that well, it's a little bit less of a of a miracle to feed 4,000 people than 5,000. Now, if we go back to the feeding of the 5,000, it says the 5,000 men besides women and children. Now, I don't know that every man had a wife, every man had a child, but if, if there were half as many children there, and if half of the men had wives there, or or a mixture of a mixture of people it could have well the numbers are astronomical sometimes you know sometimes oh there could have been 20,000 people there well i'm not saying there weren't but a realistically way to look at it it could have been 8 to 10,000 people there at that feeding and we say five loaves of bread and two fishes that's a that's a wonderful miracle, what it was. But let me ask you, and especially you sisters, you would know this, how far would seven loaves of bread go with 7,000 people? Not very far. Not very far. I'm not much of a cook, but we've helped enough in funerals and so forth that seven loaves would not go very far. And so it is to me, 
to me, it is no less a miracle to feed the 4,000 with seven loaves and a few fishes than it is the, the 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. <clears throat> and as I think about this, Again, and I, I, I don't, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on feeding the 5,000. But as I think of this again, I'm just reminded that Jesus can make much out of little. Jesus can make so much out of little. And sometimes, uh, uh, sometimes children come to us, and uh, yesterday um, Rebecca brought uh, donut holes home and and oh, they're so good. And uh, of course, she didn't intend to, but she teased us with just the little box. And so, you know, with seven of us, uh, uh, we like to try them. And uh, well, now you can only have two. Now, what? I can only have two. Well, yeah, just be glad. On the other side, just be glad that you're able to have two. <clears throat> you know, Jesus, I, I really wonder, um, and, and that's, that's fine and good. We, we enjoyed those donut holes. But <clears throat> Jesus in his uh, feeding of the 5,000 didn't say, well, you have just, just two bites. That's all you can take. That, that'll be enough for you. The Bible tells us here that... Um, um, let me see. Verse 8. And so they did eat and were filled. They were filled and they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets. So they ended up after everyone was fed and filled, and I, I didn't, I, I guess I'm just simple enough to believe that when the Bible says filled, that means filled. Like, we know how it is to have a full tummy. That, I believe that's how they felt. They, they were full. And um, they ended up with more than they began with. Now, all of this is a point in case. And Jesus, Jesus didn't only do these miracles for here and now, as we will see in the verses following. <clears throat> but I did have to ask the question, well, what happened with the seven baskets of fragments left? Well, that's beside the point. I think that the lesson is, is that Jesus is able to take little and make much out of it. More than our needs, more than, than what our needs are. And God has done that. I look at creation, and again I say, God is, is, is liberal when He comes to providing for nature's needs. <clears throat> One other little side note, just, just to exemplify that. Can some of you, can, can anyone tell me how many kernels of corn will one seed, one kernel of corn produce? Anybody know? Of course.
course, that varies, of course. But approximately, an average, an average is 650. You have, and I, I see Gary smiling. Gary's enough of a farmer. He's figuring out how many rounds are around that cob and how many, how many tears are on that cob. That's how you do it, yeah. An average of at least 650. Could be up to 800 or 1,000. It, it would be a big year. Do what? It will always be an even row. I'll say that. Uh, some, it's a variance. Uh, we've had cobs this year of 18 rows, 16 rows, and 14 rows, 12 rows. So, it, yeah, it, it varies. It varies some. <clears throat> and they can be all the way from, um, you know, 20, 20 rows of kernels to, to 40 rows, however large that the cob is. But, but just, just imagine what one kernel of corn does produces all those, those 650 kernels of corn. And, and that's how Jesus, that's how God does. That's how God and his creation does. Now you say, well, man's been tampering with that. I understand that. I understand that. But you look at, you look at uh, flowers. You look at, the, you look at the maple trees. Man, as far as I know, man has not been tampering with maple trees. But when maple trees shed their helicopters, they're flat out a nuisance because there are so many of them. That's God and His liberal, you know, just, God is, is, is more than, a, than necessary. That's why you have maple trees now growing up along the roadsides, if it's not mowed and kept, um, so forth. <clears throat> the, the key to all of this is, though, the key to all of this is, though, that we have to give it to Jesus. And that's sometimes where the difficulty comes in. The seven loaves, you have to give it to Jesus. I'm assuming that the disciples had these seven loaves with them for their own needs. It wasn't just the little boy's lunch now this time. It was now growing men's lunch. Are we going to give up these seven loaves of bread so that these others can all eat? I mean, Jesus, what are we going to do about ourselves? You see, that, that's where the struggle comes in. So often. <clears throat> Give it to Jesus. <clears throat> In verse 10 and following, Jesus gets, after this example, he sends the people away. After this uh, happening, when he feeds the 4,000, he sends the people away gets into the ship, and he goes to a different place. And a disciple, or the Pharisees, come forth. They question with him, seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit, and saith, Why doth this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, There shall no sign be given unto this generation. And he left them. And entering into the ship, again, departed to the other side. <clears throat> now, if Jesus was anything like myself, and you've seen me do that, and I don't know where I get this other than from my parents, 
And I don't know that my mom and dad did that, but if it was me, I can imagine, I can picture Jesus sighing and rolling his eyes. Why don't these people get it? They want a sign. They want a sign. I say the Pharisees are spiritually blind. We're, doing, we're dealing with a spiritual blindness here in these verses. And this, this uh, interaction with the Pharisees. I, why did Jesus just up and leave? Jesus has told us before to not throw our pearl before swine. And even beyond that, um, did Jesus see the Pharisees as a hopeless case? Well, I don't know. Maybe that's what the sigh was all about. Uh, to me, the sigh simply reveals that Jesus was weary with their determination to not see it. It was not, beloved, it was not that the Pharisees, well, we just don't have enough evidence. Well, we, we just don't have enough. We, we want a sign. That was not the point. The Pharisees were determined in their minds they were not going to see it, and they didn't see it. And that's why Jesus said, there shall no sign be given to this generation. When in fact, I thought, well, Jesus, you're being a little bit contra- contradictory with yourself because you gave them so many signs. No, Jesus was not contradicting himself. It, Jesus is saying that this generation that is right before his eyes, they will not see a sign. They shall not see a sign because they don't want to see a sign. It's not the fact that there is no signs there The fact is that they're not seeing the signs. Spiritual blindness. What is it about sign seeking that's so exuberating? It's exciting when we see a sign. Um... Now, most of us that have any age, have any, have been around a bit, know that there are many a people, we have, and we have probably encountered people that have been real sign seekers. And uh, it was going on in Jude's day, it was going on in the Apostle John's day, it was going on in James's day, it was going on in Peter's day. It was going on in Jesus' day. It was going on in the prophet's day. It was going on, well, I don't know, how long? But people have been seeking after a sign, seeking after a sign, seeking after a sign, seeking after a sign. Jesus in another place says, there will no no sign be given other than the prophet Jonah. He was in the belly's whale three days and three nights. Now, what are we supposed to make of that? <clears throat> you see, that's exactly why Jesus spoke in parables, because those that were had a heart to search after God, they wanted to find Jesus, the Messiah. 
It was clearly before them. They could see it. But those that, that were determined to not see it, they, they, this cannot be possible. It cannot be that Jesus the Messiah comes from this kind of a relationship with Mary and Joseph. It cannot be that He comes from such a lowly family. He's not even of the priesthood lineage. It cannot be. Jesus, that, that, can, and so when they, when, when they, when they studied the scriptures, I don't know what they saw. What did they think when they wrote, when they studied Isaiah? What did they think when they studied Jeremiah? Lest I get too hard on them, I'm saying to us today, what do we think when we read the Gospel of Mark? What do we think when we read the, the, the Gospel of, 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 of Matthew, of, of John? What do, we, what do we think when we, when we read the, the writings of Peter and Paul and, and John the Revelator? What do we think when we read that? And the truth of it is sometimes, beloved, we don't think. It flies right over our heads. And it's a good possibility. It's a good possibility that the reason it, it scrapes right over the top of our heads is because we're so spiritual and we've already got it all figured out. We know what Isaiah says. We know what Jeremiah says. We know what John says. We know what Mark says. We know what Revelation says. And so don't try to tell me that this man is Jesus. That's how they thought. Now we studied about false prophets. And the truth of it is that the Pharisees were false prophets. That may be a strong terminology, but that's the way it was. And that's the way it is. They were false prophets. What is it about seeking a sign? I I don't know. I've 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 I don't know that I have ever really lusted after a revelation or some dramatic sign. Um I, beloved, I, I praise God for my heritage and my parents and their teaching. I, I know that I, I take it too often for granted. But I, I'm just, I have a growing appreciation, a realization that they taught me the simplicity of the gospel. The Bible just simply means what it says. And the Bible, the Bible, the Word of God is God's breath to mankind today. We do not need to seek another sign. Right here is our sign. The Bible is our sign. Now, if we have a confirmation in some other way, that's well and fine. But that other confirmation must line up with the Scriptures. It must be the same. It must say the same. It must give us the same direction. Else... If that other thing out there is something else than the Word of God, forget it. Forget it. It's erroneous. It's, 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 it's a concoction from Satan. It's, it's something that the enemy brings to us to try to deceive us and draw us away. We have to stay with the Word. Uh, if there's something that I have committed myself to in this realization, and I don't know why this is hitting me so hard, But the emphasis of the Word, 
the word of God. And you'll probably hear more messages about that. The word of God is our answer, is our direction, is our sign for today. Nothing else. The word of God is it. And many, many a person is doubting about the, with questions and saying, well, what do we see signs of miracles? What do we see blind men being healed? And, and what do we see all these wonderful things happening as it was in Jesus' day? And then the apostles, as, they, as, they, as the Holy Spirit was poured out on them and so forth. Beloved, I don't know all the dynamics of that, and I'm not the greatest of teachers, but I'm simply enough, simple enough to believe that God wanted to confirm the work of Jesus. And he did it in, in a mighty and miraculous ways. He wanted to confirm the words of, of, of Jesus and the words of the apostles. And he gave the apostles that power to do that. And so there was a manifestation of Jesus' power carried out in men. And, and uh, uh, they, they, they were able to, to, to do those mighty works because the Scriptures, the New Testament, was not with us. The, the, the unfolding of the New Testament was, was in, its, in its time and, and was, was being written and so forth. <clears throat> there have been times. There have been times in history. There have been times and places where the word of God was not present, that God showed himself in a miraculous way. I will not deny that. I, 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 I wholeheartedly agree with that. There, there is that possibility. Even those things are happening yet today. I'm not denying it. I'm not throwing it away. But I'm saying for you and I, for you and I, that know the scriptures, that, that have been taught the word of God, to go astray from this and, and to walk away and seeking a sign. We want some other kind of revelation is putting ourselves into a dangerous, dangerous situation. We dare not do it. Because I'm afraid that Jesus will say to us, there shall no sign be given to this generation because we have it here. We have it here. I don't know, does that make any sense or not? And that's why we have Tagnus. So that there's a possibility that someone... Um, I'm sorry, some of you don't know what that means. Um, we have um, a time of testimony after the message. So that if, if I'm saying something that is not correct, that is unclear, maybe someone can help us to clear it up so that we understand, so that the Word of God is clear and true, to all of us. <clears throat> many and many a people have been seeking after signs. And all oh, some wonderful things have been happening. I know these little house churches that scatter up all over our country. In our, uh, in our area. I'm going to be bold enough to speak against them. But um, they, they have this... Uh, they have this sign. They're speaking in tongues. They have all kinds of healings. They have, they have all kinds of wonderful things happening. But at the same time, at the same time, they're throwing away the principles of the Word. 
They're throwing away the very things that Jesus, God, had said, do and do not. And yes, beloved, there are those out there that are on the fringes that are unsettled and they latch on to that. Man, this, these young people, they have really got it. They speak in tongues. <clears throat> and the water, this is Ishwetzo and Tingwa. We, we, I said, the truth of it is that I speak in tongues as well. Now, <clears throat> I, I realize, I realize that many people don't see it that way. <clears throat> but I'm just saying, there's something exciting, something moving about seeing a sign. And people gravitate towards that. Especially, especially young people, especially people that are not settled in the faith, especially people that are not rooted and grounded in the truth of the word. And they, they, they're a little bit wishy-washy. Uh, the Apostle Paul tells us in Hebron, in, in Ephesians, um, 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 just comes now to me, um, that we henceforth, yes, yes, for, uh, okay, he gave all these gifts for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God wants us to grow up, wants us to mature, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to, to deceive. And that's really the case. That's really what's happening. I say we must emphasize the word. We must emphasize the word. And many, many, many of those people come to us in such glittering and glorious ways. We say we cannot, but we cannot, this person cannot be wrong. Look at all the glitter and the glamour. Look at all the signs that he's doing. Jesus said in another place, if, if they say that Jesus is over here, pay no attention to him. If Jesus said, if, if, if the people say that this is God's word over here, pay no, pay no mind to it. As a false prophet, his desire is to not be, is to not necessarily show the love of God, but he uses that, uses those gifts to manipulate people and deceive them. To create a following of his own. <clears throat> Beloved, I guess the exhortation, the warning that I see of that is that we do what Jesus says to his disciples then in verse 15. Take heed. Take heed. Oh, this spiritual blindness is so devastating. And it, it, can, it can come up on us before we know it. <clears throat> Jesus tells the disciples, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. Beware of that. Take heed. We've had much warning today. I don't know what, what really, what, what, what is God saying? Uh, the devotional, the, the Sunday school lesson, and, and now the message, uh, the warnings. And I just believe that God is trying to impress something upon us. We need to take heed. We need to sit up and pay attention. 
we, we need to listen carefully. And um, you say, well, it's just a mere coincidence. No, 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 I don't believe so. I don't believe so. <clears throat> That's the leaven of the Pharisees is to disguise their hidden agenda in plain clothes, if you please. Disguise the hidden agenda in, 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 the, in the realm of Christianity. We've seen that in, in, the, in our studies through John and Jude. We, we've seen that in history's past. We see that today. <clears throat> Again, beloved, we must emphasize the Word of God. We must emphasize that we must lay close, we lay hold of, of the Word of God and, and, and live lives close to it. We must take heed, take heed of the leaven of the Pharisees. Jesus reprimands the disciples. And they somehow missed what Jesus really was. was. Jesus said, take heed of the leaven of the Pharisees. They had just come from there, and Jesus had sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation seek after a sign? He says, there shall no sign be given to them. And he gets into the boat, and he was still, in his mind, was thinking about what his conversation was with the Pharisees, and somehow the, 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 the disciples had just totally missed it. And when Jesus told them, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, hmm, What's he talking about? Oh, he's talking about bread. Oh, yeah, we just fed the 4,000. Yeah, that's right. And now we don't have any bread. Oh, yeah, we forgot to bring some bread along. And Jesus is reprimanding us to not bring bread along. Let's read verses 17 and following again. When Jesus knew it, he saith unto them, Why reason ye because ye have no bread? Or why, why do you think I'm talking about the fact that we don't have bread. Perceive ye not yet, neither understand. Have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes, see ye not? And having ears, hear ye not? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves among five thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? Well, twelve. And, and when the seven among four thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? Well, seven. How is it that ye did not that you do not understand? Jesus was not talking about physical bread. He was talking about the spiritual blindness, the leaven of the Pharisees, and how it can it can take away the disciples before they know it. You must pay attention to that. Really, beloved, it makes no difference how much money a man has, how powerful he is, how good of a speaker he is, how shiny and how glittery he is, how much of a following he is, he has. It really makes no difference. But where does that person line up with the Scriptures? You know, sometimes we're slow of understanding. 
I find myself, I, I cannot be hard on the disciples. You know, sometimes we read the scriptures and it just passes over somehow. I, I've told you before, I'm, I'm just, I'm very, very slow. In fact, mom said I was born slow. I'm just, just somehow, just sometimes don't get it. <clears throat> I wonder how often Jesus has to sigh at me. I wonder how often Jesus has to say, Paul, you have eyes, but somehow you're not seeing. You have ears, but you're not hearing. Why don't you understand? I don't know. I said earlier that Jesus was upset. And I don't know that that's the right word to use. But it seems that somehow, somehow Jesus just, I can't believe this. <laughs> just can't believe it, that you're not getting it. You're, thought, you're thinking about the natural bread. And that's why Jesus comes back to his previous miracles. And he says, disciples, how many baskets did we take up from those seven loaves that I fed the 4,000? You know, right then and there, we should take note. Oh, okay, well, yeah, duh, Jesus is not talking about bread. I mean, it's not, the, Jesus is not limited to one loaf. If, if he can feed 4,000 or 5,000 with a few loaves of bread, then surely he can feed 12 of us or 13 of us with one loaf. Surely he could do that. It's totally insignificant. Jesus was not talking about that. And, and, and so, so may I encourage us, and this is a real challenge to me. We have to be spiritually discerning. We have to see beyond what we see. We have to hear beyond what we hear. And, and God in His love and His provisions, His grace and mercy will give us that. I'm, I'm, I'm positive of that. <clears throat> if we have a desire in our hearts to seek after Him, God will give us that. Uh, no question. No question about that. But let's be spiritually discerning. <clears throat> so, so very, very important. The Bible talks to us, and, I, and, and maybe we'll elaborate on this further, but the Bible talks to us about those that, are, that have a spiritual discernment are those that live close to the Word, that study His Word, read His Word. We want to be that kind of a people. Let's kneel together to pray. Our gracious and loving eternal Father, we thank Thee again for this opportunity to expose ourselves to Your Word. And Father, I just pray that You would impress these words upon our minds and our hearts. Father, may You help us to grow up, to be Your children, to understand. Was Father, to be wise. Help us to be spiritual discerning. Remove all blindness from us. Father, we must just confess that sometimes we've there have been times when we've just wanted to be spiritually blind. 
There have been times when we've just been willingly ignorant of those truths that you wanted to teach us. And there have been times when we've just uh, uh, determined to disobey. And we just, uh, because of that, we were blindsided. Father, we just ask your forgiveness. We ask your blood to cover us and just cleanse us from that. Father, I pray that you would do to us like you did to the Apostle Paul of old and just remove the scale from our eyes. And to this man, this blind man these people brought to you, you laid your hands on his eyes and he could see well, see every man clearly. I pray, O oh Father, that we would see the lessons we take heed to these warnings. God, we're not sure what all you're trying to teach us and tell us today, but we just pray that you help us to take the truths that we are able to perceive and understand and to build on those and to allow your Spirit to continue to work in our hearts and lives. We pray this for your glory and for your praise. In Jesus' name, amen.